Welcome back to the Quack Attack 102 tonight, 750 the game. Let's go to the lines right now and talk to Tyson Alger of the Oregonian and Oregon Life. He covers Oregon basketball uh, for that institution as the Ducks get ready for the Beavers. Tyson, let's start with uh, last week's matchup with UCLA. Oregon get out to that big lead in the first half. Were the fans at Matthew Knight getting as kind of restless as the rest of us watching on TV when the Ducks were letting that big lead dwindle away before pulling it out? Yeah. atmosphere by the time the, the final horn went off in that one because it was the, the third game in a row that Oregon had had a, a sizable lead going into the final five minutes and it was nearly the third game in a row where Oregon blew such a lead. I mean they were they were up by 18 points with about 15 minutes left of the game and then uh, you know then it just started to, to dismantle late and I, I think there's definitely a lot of uh, oh no this is happening again uh, going around the arena but uh uh, they actually, with about a minute left, they actually played some really smart basketball. They did some smart fouling, and uh, uh, they were able to uh, kind of come together and uh, seal off uh, what will surmount, or end up being a, a really important win for their season, I think. Yeah, and it puts them at 3-4 and four to start in Pac-12 play. In terms of Pac-12 record, is that was that predictable, a 3-4 and four start um, for the Ducks, or is that uh, surprising at all in your mind? I mean, I think at the start of the season, a lot of people, probably even including myself, would have assumed they would have been doing better than this. Um, I mean, there are obviously a lot of factors into why uh, they've struggled a little bit. I mean, the the biggest thing being youth and the fact that some of their veterans are, are new to the roster too. But um, you know, they 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 played really well at times. I really liked how they played during the Arizona series, um, but then just I think the inconsistencies have been so. Uh, so young have reared their heads for them, but uh, I think that's definitely happening throughout the whole Pac-12 conference. I, I wrote a piece yesterday about um, you know the the Pac-12 had 14 draft picks last summer, which is the most the conference has ever had in history, and so there's uh, a lot more uh, freshmen and uh, younger teams playing around the conference this year. I think that's attributed to why the fact that. There, I think there's six teams separated by one game in the standings. I mean, at this point, it looks like Arizona's going to run away with it. But um, even the Wildcats, who were a preseason national championship contender, they, they look vulnerable. I mean, the Ducks, the Ducks and Beavers both played them tough. Uh, Stanford nearly beat them. Colorado beat them. Uh, I think it's a pretty wide-open uh, conference in terms of com- uh, competitive level. But right now, just Arizona has a superior record to everybody. And don't talk to Tyson, though, about uh, Cal and Washington State. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I took a look at your, your piece, and yeah, that's just objective truth right there. Wazoo and Cal struggling basketball teams with one and six marks in Pac-12 play. But everybody else, uh, as you mentioned, Tyson, among you know a conference with a lot of parity. That being said, do you think Arizona is still at a tier above everyone else in the Pac-12? Or could you see a scenario in which the Wildcats... I don't, you know, continue to have moments of vulnerability in the conference play and might not win the conference tournament. I, I think the conference tournament is completely up for grabs. Uh, I think, I, I think just it, it's so close between everybody that uh, I, I think you put them in Vegas during a one-week period and anything can, can happen. Uh, as for the rest of the regular season, I, I do think Arizona is the most complete team out there and. Uh, you know, the fact that they have, like, DeAndre Ayton on the team, uh, <laughs> that really bodes well for their chances. So I think Arizona is definitely a tier above everybody else. But in, in terms of guaranteeing that they're going to be able to win the Pac-12 tournament, I, I don't think that's uh, a guarantee whatsoever. 
Tyson Alger of the Oregonian and Oregon Live joining us. And check out their three-on-two podcast that Tyson does every week with Danny Moran, who covers the Beavers. Also, Devon Pouncey, part of that as well. That comes out weekly. Does that come out on uh, Thursdays, Tyson? Yeah, we're, uh, we usually shoot to record on Thursdays. Uh, it kind of depends a little bit on what uh, the playing schedule is for the week. But uh, we'll be recording uh, this Thursday and should have a podcast out by uh, noonish. Now, of course, it'll take a Civil War theme, and when you take a look at Oregon taking on Oregon State this Saturday, it's the first time uh, on the conference schedule that the Ducks are uh, playing an opponent for the second time in this Beaver squad. So given the results of the initial Civil War matchup earlier this year, one that the Beavers won convincingly in Corvallis, what kind of adjustments do you expect to see out of Oregon when they host the Beavers Saturday? I expect them to play a lot better. Uh, I, I think that game at Oregon State was one of the worst games they've played this season. I mean, they were just, uh, in addition to being an offensive funk, they were just slow on 50-50 balls, on rebounds. I mean, Oregon State was just killing them on the offensive boards. But um, after that game, they played, I think, their two best games of the season on that Arizona trip. And uh, while this past week was a bit of a, a mixed bag, uh, I, I do think Oregon has matured a little bit. Uh, I really like the way that Peyton Peyton Pritchard and he had a couple big matchups that past week with Jordan McLaughlin with USC and Aaron Holiday for UCLA and I know Holiday took a long time to get going for the Bruins and he's one of their more talented and seasoned players um, and but there were I, I could sense on the on the TV at least there were distinct moments that Holiday was trying to get at Pritchard a little bit uh, on both ends of the floor how do you think Pritchard's handled himself in in moments where he's gone up against more seasoned, more veteran point guards. And as I look at Oregon State's roster, I know they've had transition of their own at the point guard position this year. So how does that matchup kind of play out for Pritchard against Oregon State? I think I think Pritchard's done a really good job of handling himself lately. Uh, you know, I think he's the one player that kind of has a target on his back on the team because he's the really only returning starter from last year's roster. And, um, you know, they made the Final Four, and, and he hasn't, hardly ever lost in his career and so uh, I, I think it's been a bit of adjustment for him this year to kind of go through some of the ups and downs but um, I mean the, the last two games he's, he's been completely on fire and he's been focused he, does, he doesn't lose his composure out there I, I think he's doing a really good job of leading this team as a sophomore um, as for going into this week I mean I, I would completely expect a, a, another big game for him I mean he's, he's his shot has been the one thing that's kind of Taking time to uh, um, basically taking time to take shape this season, and, and that's kind of been one of his strongest suits throughout his career. Like he's he's still been driving the ball, um, he, he's been getting teammates involved, but right now he's been awfully hot from three point, and uh, that's uh, that, that's a big boost for the Stucks team because uh, when he when him and Elijah Brown are both on, that that gives Oregon a completely different looking offense than uh, when those two aren't. 
I know Oregon's bench played pretty well Saturday, highlighted by uh, Victor Bailey Jr., the high flyer. Um, <laughs> what do you kind of make of that unit right now? Uh, when I see that unit, I think of next year. Uh, and, and, that's not, and that's not to say that they're, they're not doing well. I, I mean, you just mentioned Victor Bailey Jr. has been playing really good basketball the last couple weeks. Um, he's just a little inconsistent. What I do like out of him is you do get 100% effort every time. Same with like a player like Abu Kijab, who you know gets very sparse minutes. But uh, you know they they have a lot of talent coming off that bench. But I just I still think it's about a year out from being uh, making this team uh, very competitive. Uh, I think next year with all the pieces they have coming in, I mean they they could obviously be the top 25, top 10, top 10 looking team. But um, I, I I think. Oregon's bench, what you're seeing right now is I, I think you're seeing progress from the from earlier in the season. I mean, they're at least capable now. I, I remember during that PKAV tournament, it was just tough to see see them get any sort of production off the bench. But, you know, right now you're getting Paul White back into the groove. Keep in mind, he hadn't really played at all the last two seasons between transferring and having an ab injury. So he's, he's a productive player off the bench, getting uh, Victor Victor Bailey off the bench. I mean, he, he's a, a strong arm in terms of energy. So, I mean, it's Oregon has more depth than they did at the beginning of the season. It's just it's just still very young for them. Tyson Alger joining us on the Quack Attack. Tyson, I think I brought you on uh, on the first show of the calendar year, and that was before the first Civil War matchup with Oregon State, and that was kind of being described as a must-win for the Ducks for their uh, at-large hopes, at least in the NCAA tournament. They lost that game by 12. Now, they helped their case with, obviously, the road win at ASU and the home win over UCLA and might be helped as well with the parity in their own conference. But what does that mean for this go-around with Oregon State? Is this also classified as a, quote-unquote, must-win? Or, as uh, Bill Walton would say, is every game a must-win for these teams? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, it, it's so tough at this point because, I, you know, I, I still think the conference is going to get three to four uh, tournament selections. I don't think it really deserves more than that. But if, if uh, it, I just can't really give you the top four teams in the Pac-12 right now without just saying Arizona, and then I don't know the next three after that. I mean, everyone seems so equal. Um, uh, labeling that first Civil War as a must-win was probably a little early, but this one, I, I don't think Oregon can lose twice to Oregon State, the team that. Uh, while has a better record than or has a similar record to them in conference play is about 100 spots behind them in RPI uh, that just having two sub 100 loss RPI uh, in a season where you don't have a ton of great wins uh, it basically Oregon has to win this game if they, if they want to have a shot at making the tournament unless it goes on a, a streak afterwards and wins just about every other game but it's uh, we're you know we're getting into, into late January here the Ducks are going to need to start putting together a run and uh, it just it wouldn't start with a lost Oregon State if, if they want to get there. Well, to your point, right now I'm looking at ESPN's uh, power index and its matchup predictor giving the Ducks an 81.2% chance to beat Oregon State on Saturday. Uh, that seems pretty high, but it just goes to show you that, uh, you know, the the faith well, in Dana Altman winning a big game. And, and kind of speaking of that, Tyson, uh, Dana did win his 200th game at University of Oregon. Um, you know, and he's the third coach in program history to accomplish that. You know, what, what's his legacy right now as a, as the Oregon head coach? And obviously we, we might be talking semantics, but is this the destination job that Dana Altman will be at long-term? I mean, that's an impossible answer in one sense, but in another sense, 
you know, we've seen Ernie Kent move on to a different job, you know, within the Pac-12. Is there any chance that you could see Dana Altman parlaying an Oregon platform into something bigger if he keeps succeeding? You know, it, it's tough to tell, and, and I can't. I can't say that I know Dana well enough to know what his, his uh, you know, secret ambitions are or anything. But uh, I know Oregon loves Altman. Uh, he got that contract contract extension last year. Um, he's ushered in probably one of the most successful eras of basketball here at Oregon over a six, seven-year span. Um, you know, I, I don't think that there are many jobs in this country he would ever leave for. I don't think there's anything really in the Pac-12. Um, maybe if something's rooted in, in later in his career, him wanting to go home, or if, you know, an absolute elite job comes up. I mean, and, and this is, I, there's nothing linking him to this or anything, but I'm just thinking, like, if, a, if an absolute elite job comes open, like if Mike Krzyzewski would ever retire or something like that, I mean, Duke would be a hard job to say no to, but that's only, that's, you know, there's only several coaches in the country who would be considered for that type of job, so. Um, but I, I know I know they have a really good thing going here. I, I, I know they like the momentum they're building. I mean, this is this is kind of a down season for them, but it's you know this this program's at a point right now where a down season can mean they're still in you know competitive within conference play. Um, and with the momentum they have going, I mean, they have you know one of the top recruiting classes coming next year. Uh, I think I think if you're a coach. Where you want, where you want to be at, is a place where a you can make money and be a place where you can consistently win. And, and right now, he's got Oregon in the spot where, you know, it might not be where they're contending for a national championship every season, but it looks like they'll be in the mix every every few seasons. And then I think that's a pretty good place to uh, um, to set up shop, and and that's definitely what Dan Allman has turned Oregon basketball into. Find him on Twitter at Tyson Alger covers Oregon Ducks for the Oregonian and Oregon Live and be on the lookout for the three on two podcast. And uh, that will come out later this week as well. And Tyson, I'm sure we'll be tweeting that out too. Tyson, thanks so much for taking the time, my friend. And uh, I'll see you down at the game on on Saturday. Yeah, thanks, man. See you there.